against that, by the way, but, but they make an emotional decision to put their hand up and then uh, weeping and crying, and it looks like the whole world's going to change. And then a week later, when they don't have the feelings anymore, they want nothing to do with God. Because our faith is not based on feelings. It's not based on what God does for us. We look in Psalm 103, verse 7, and it says this. It says, The children of Israel knew the ways, knew the, the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. In other words, you go back and you look at the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness and you see a group of people that God would have to perform for them to love him. And God would do something amazing and they would get excited. He would feed them. He would provide water. He would appear in a cloud. And they'd they'd love God, but then as soon as that didn't happen, as soon as they didn't get what they wanted, what would they do? They'd go to Moses, you and God, you brought us out here to kill us. God doesn't love us. We want to go back to Egypt. So God would do another thing. He would perform again like a circus monkey. And they'd get all excited and love God. And then all of a sudden, when God wasn't doing what they thought he should do, they would whinge again and they would complain again. And in Psalm 103, verse 7, it tells us that he made known his ways to Moses. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. And we need to be people whose faith is grounded in the ways of God, not the activities of God. The activities of God will change, but the ways of God will never change. God is righteous, he is just, he is good. He is lovely. He is all those things. Regardless of what we see, that is who God is. His character is immovable, unchangeable. It doesn't matter about my situation, my circumstances. It doesn't matter how I feel, whether I'm top of the mountain, bottom of a valley. Who God is does not change. And if my faith's grounded in that, I won't be like a reed of the sea. I won't be tossed to and fro. I won't be up and down. And I think one of the reasons why Jesus was led first into that place is it's symbolic of us. We need to get our faith grounded in the character of God so that God can go on and build something great with our lives. Many of us falter in those seasons. We give up on God. We lay our dreams down. We lay our visions down. Things God's spoken to us, we just go, it's never going to happen. You know, when I was, I was sharing it a few weeks ago, uh, I was just reminded of things that God has spoken to me over the years. And, uh, you know, I've got, got uh, children and maybe some of you here in this place. And, you know, when, 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 when our children were born, we, we felt like the Lord spoke to us and gave us a, a, a vision of, of what their life would be so that we could, as they grew up, kind of try to cater and, 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 and you know, not manipulate them, but, but, but help them along that path. And then they might not be exactly where we want them to be today. But I feel like the Lord said, well, well, that, you, if you liken that to a bit of a wilderness, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to throw those words out just because they're not exactly... Are you going to throw all that away? Are you going to give up your faith? Are you going to lay it down because you're not seeing exactly what you wanted right now? And I wondered that, that morning when I was preaching, I wonder how many people here, we've laid down what God has said to us. We've just given up because it's been too long or too hard or whatever. And we've put it down. And we've dropped our faith in that area. We've just given up and we settle for something else. When God spoke ages ago and said, no, no, this is what's going to happen. This is where I'm taking you. This is what I have for you. And those wilderness moments, we're tempted to just give up our faith, throw it out. But I think God wants the people who are going to stand on what he says, stand on his character, stand on his nature. If you don't trust the character of God, you will not trust his words. Because a man's word is only as good as his character. And if you don't trust the character and nature of God, if it's not settled in your heart that God is good, then you'll be always second-guessing things. Just because God didn't answer my prayer doesn't mean he doesn't love me. I know God loves me, regardless of whether I got a goose pump just then when I said that. And I didn't, by the way. I just got sweat beads because it's still warm up the front end. God doesn't love me. I'm sweating. <laughs> so we've been talking a bit about, about that. And... Um, I want to move out of the wilderness now, and I want to just have a look at 
practicalities of being led by the Spirit of God. There's a couple of things that are very clear for me in the Word of God. In, in John 10, 27, Jesus said this. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He said, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. They're not just listening. They're not just hearing. They're doing something with what they're hearing. They're following. A bit like the wise and foolish builder who, who both heard the words of Jesus, both went out and built a house. One collapsed, one stood. Why? Because one of them, the Bible says, heard the words of Jesus and did them. The other heard the words of Jesus but went and did his own thing. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 10 Verse 4 and 5, Jesus said this, if you back up a little bit. He said, when he brings out his own sheep, he said he goes before them, speaking of himself, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus painted this picture that we should expect that he will lead us. We should live in expectation that God wants to communicate to you and wants to lead you. He wants to lead you. Not only does he want to lead you, Jesus made it very clear it's possible for you to learn to hear his voice. Even though there are strangers, you'll discern a stranger's voice and you'll be able to put that to the side and you'll be able to hear and know what's God and you'll be able to follow that and run with it. Isn't that great? I don't know what you, what you think, but some people think, hey, I, can't hear, I don't have the capacity to hear from God. Because it's, it's, maybe it's a certain personality type can hear from God. You know, you've got to have a certain personality. You've got to be somebody that can sit quietly in a monastery for 24 hours with your legs crossed and no noise. Well, I think God can speak to you in the hustle and bustle of your day in the middle of work with a jackhammer. It's, it's, it's not a question of can God speak to you, can you hear God? Jesus painted this picture very clearly, my sheep will know my voice. I want to tell you this today, you have the capacity to hear from the creator of the universe. Not only do you have the capacity, you have heard from him. You may not have always discerned him, but you have heard him. Because he's your loving father and he wants to speak to you. What parent in this room had children just so that you could completely ignore them? Who gave birth to a child and looked at that child and said, This is my son, this is my daughter, I love you, but I'm never going to say a word to you. I just want you to connect and you just got to know. Of course not. When it comes to communication, effective communication, the responsibility as a parent, I've always felt like the responsibility rests on me to make sure that I communicate in such a manner that my children can hear my voice and know what I'm saying to them. I don't expect them to decipher and try to work at all. I, I, tried, I do everything I can to make my communication clear, effective and easy for them to understand. They might not always do what I'm asking clearly, effectively and understandably, but I take the responsibility as the, as the father to communicate. Some of us have this image of God that, you know, we're expected to follow him, but he's doing everything he can to make sure it's so hard for you to understand what he wants. It's so difficult. He just expects you to be a really, really smart person to discern, decipher, and, and you know, a bit like the Indiana Jones. Uh, who likes Indiana Jones? I love Indiana Jones films. I love them. Harrison Ford, mate. Fantastic. If I could... If God came now and said, you could be anybody, I would say, I want to be Indiana Jones. And if God said to me, he's not real, it's Harrison Ford, a character, I'd say, I don't care. You said anybody. I want to be Indiana Jones. I love the hat. I love, I'd love to carry a whip into church. You know? I'd just love it. And, and if you were, like, like, if you're drinking 
Dell with your pen or something. Like I'd just stand over here and if I saw you writing something like, say you were drawing a happy face or something, not listening to me, I'd just go, Whoosh, and I'd take the pen away. You know, something like, wouldn't that be cool? Okay? I wanted an illustration and I wanted Owen's glasses. So I'd just go, Whoosh, bang, I'd have his glasses. And Owen would be like, what? Be like, it's okay, it's Indiana Jones. But you know, Indiana Jones, he goes on these missions and there's always clues. You ever, there's always these clues, you know? And, but, but not everyone can decipher them. You know that because Indiana's standing there trying to work out this answer to a clue. And then to the right of him is a skeleton of some guy that's been impaled by a big spike. Now that guy couldn't work it out. He got it wrong. And guess what? If you get it wrong, it could cost you your life. That's how some people think about being led by God. That's how, how frightening it is, how difficult it is. That if you get it wrong, it could cost you your life. And if you're not smart like Indiana Jones and some sort of analytical thinker, you'll never... You know what? I just can't fathom God the Father being like that. You know, I believe that, that when God wants you to hear something... He takes the responsibility as the father to communicate it to you in such a way that you'll get it. The thing is not, is God speaking to us? The question is not, are we able to hear his voice? It's the recognition of which voice is the voice of God and which ones are not. Remember what Jesus said? He said said that I I, I speak to you, you hear my voice and you follow me. Strangers, they will not follow. In other words, they're going to hear other voices. There'll be strangers' voices trying to lead you as well. It's not just God trying to lead you. God's trying to lead you to a place of life and life in abundance. But there's an enemy who hates you because you are created in the image of God. He loves you with a passion and the devil hates that. And so he's also trying to lead us away from the plans and purposes of God. He's trying to lead us away from that great place God wants us to be. Now then, of course, you've got your own desires and and you lead yourself down paths because you just want things. Then there's the voices of friends and family, the voice of the media. There's all kinds of voices out there. There's many strangers' voices, but there's, there's one shepherd and his voice is in there too. And he's trying to lead us and we can hear his voice. I'll bet you by the end of today, your father in heaven would have been saying stuff to you today. It's just a question of do we recognize his voice do we recognize his voice when he speaks to us so i want to talk the next just a little bit now and next week about what i think are probably the two major ways that god leads us that the holy spirit leads us the two major ways the best illustration i can find for this is in acts chapter 16 acts chapter 16 it says this starting in verse 6 it says now when they had gone this is speaking of paul and his missionary party, and they're going out to uh, take the gospel to all nations, the good news of Jesus, the story of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. They're taking it to all nations because that message is relevant for every person of every background, every nation, every tribe, socioeconomic, colour, creed, doesn't matter. That message is important. And so they're taking this message out. And it says in verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, it says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in Macedonia stood pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Interesting story. And I think it displays the two main ways that God leads each of us as believers. And I only want to focus on the first one today. 
And that is this. I want to ask you a question. Why do you think they tried to go to these places? Why, why do you think? It says here, it starts off in verse 6. They went through Phrygia in the region of Galatia. They started to go to Asia. They tried to, Why do you think they were trying to go to these places? Anyone ever read Matthew 28? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In response to the word of Jesus, they just took it upon themselves to do what they already knew to do. They were simply doing what they already knew was right to do. It's interesting in this passage that it's a group of people that are already committed to doing what they already know to do. And from that, that space, being that kind of a person that's committed to doing what I already know to do. In other words, by doing the known will of God, it put them in a position where what then was revealed to them was the unknown will of God. There's a known will of God, and then there's that unknown will of God. And the known will of God is that which Jesus has told us already. In our modern day New Testament church scenario, the known will of God, it's not hard, you know where I'm going with it. This is the known will of God. This is the known will of God. This book contains the words of God. And what the disciples did was they just simply took the word of God that they knew. Jesus, hey, Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach. So we don't need to sit down and pray about it. We don't need to have a council and, 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 and let's just try to discern. And let's, It's pretty straightforward. Jesus Christ, we walked with him. He died on a cross. They put him in a tomb. We went to the tomb. It was empty. He rose from the dead. He met with us. We've seen him. And he told us that we need to take this message to the rest of the world because the only way people are going to get right with God is not by their own efforts and their own energy. It's only by faith in that moment in history what Jesus did. And so they took that and they did this crazy, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. They just simply did what God said. I mean, how insane is that? It's insane. It's radical. You know what the word radical actually means? It means back to basics, that's what it means. These guys were radical in the sense that they just did the basics. What has Jesus told us to do? How has God told me to live? How should I handle my relationships? There are always going to be questions where I don't know what to do here, but there's a lot of things I do know to do in the context of a relationship. I might not know everything I should be doing with my finances, but there's a, a lot of context already, basics that I do know that I can and can't do with my finances. There's, there's a lot of unknowns about my social world or unknowns about my career, unknowns about my family, but there's a lot of stuff already in here that gives me a good head start. I can at least get on the highway and start going by just simply making the decision to do what is the known will of God with my life. And that's all they did. They went out and they did what God already told them to do. People say, I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want God to lead me. Well, let me tell you something. God is trying to lead you already. I'm sorry that he's not writing in fingernails of blood on a wall yet. Might happen one day. I'm sorry that you haven't had an angelic visitation. I'm sorry that, that, that you, know, you didn't levitate out of your bed and go to the third heavens. But God is speaking to you. Right here in this book, through his word, he's speaking to us. And he's trying to communicate to us. 
And I believe the number one way that we are led by God in the New Testament is we are led by his word. We're led by his word. Hebrews tells us that the word of God, it's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It judges, it divides, discerns the intentions of our hearts. It's not just like reading Woman's Day or, you know, Northern Star or The Advocate. And many of us, we want the spectacular of God. We want God to spectacularly move and lead us and guide us. Yet many of the answers to many of the questions we have are probably here in this book. Have you ever looked at the history of the Bible? What men and women of God have gone through for centuries so that you can have that book in your hand? You should, you should research it. It's absolutely amazing what men and women committed to God have gone through so that you and I can have this book and our fingertips this morning. It's frightening. The persecution, the people that have been martyred, why? Because they actually believed that God wanted this record preserved, not only preserved for them, but preserved for every man, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. It's amazing. In John chapter 8, John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to a group of Greeks. Any Greek people here? No? Anyone know any Greek? I know a little Greek. Spiros, he used to run a fish and ship shop. John chapter 8. I've got to put my glasses on so I can go there. You all know this passage, but I want to have a quick look at it in the remaining time we've got. John chapter 8, verse 31. And Jesus says this. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. He didn't say it to everybody. He didn't say it to people who didn't believe in him. He says this specifically to those that believed in him. Those that put their faith in him. And here's what Jesus says to them. He says this. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Not just flit in and out. There's something about his words that he said, you need to live in these things. You need to be in these things all the time. You need to constantly... Reminds me of Joshua 1.8, where God said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night and observe to do everything that's written in it. Because then when you do that, you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. There was something about the word of God that Joshua was told to live in it, be in it day, be in it night. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And watch this, verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And if you abide in my word, you're going to know some stuff that you're not going to know outside of my word. It's called truth. You're going to find some truth. And that truth that you're going to come to know is going to set you free. People say truth sets you free. Truth does not set you free. It's the truth you know that sets you free. There's lots of truth out there that could solve lots of your problems, but you don't know it yet. So you're not free yet. You're still walking in certain things. But when we come to know truth and act out on truth, that's when we begin to be set free in different areas of our life. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you are my disciples, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples, and you're going to know the truth because my word's going to reveal truth to you. And as I reveal truth to you and you grab that truth, you believe that truth, you run with that truth, something's going to happen in your life. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be changed. You're going to be set free. What's interesting is this. 
They answered him and they said this, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? I find that hilarious. They're in bondage to the Romans as we speak. They're not free. The nation has, it's a Roman ruled world. But I think it's so much like many of us in the church. I'm, I'm free, I've got no problems. I'm all good. I'm sweet. And then I get into the word of God and I have a look at not who I think I am, but who this book says I am. And all of a sudden I go, well, hang on a second. Maybe there is a little bit of room to grow. Maybe there are a few little changes that, that, that you know, maybe, maybe I don't look exactly like Jesus Christ of Nazareth yet. Maybe there's a little more confirmation to happen, a few more areas to evolve. Anyone with me? Or is it just me who's not perfect? (laughs) They said, we're not in bondage. You know what? We're all in areas of bondage because we're all a work in progress. Some of us are real comfortable with those areas of bondage. Some of us get really comfortable with it because we don't know any different. And so we just learn to manage and live with it. And I wonder, often I ask myself this question, Alan, how many things are you just managing and living with that really God wants to set you free with it, but you become comfortable with it and you just live in it and you stay in it. But I don't know he wants to set me free because I don't, I don't get in this thing for him to show me who I should be, what I should look like and how my life should be. I'll give you an example. Many years ago I was, I told you, I shared a bit of my story the other week. I was in India and we were doing missions and stuff like that. And... In India, you get blackouts all the time. Right? You think it's hot here. Go, go to Nagpur in summer and, and wait till your aircon cuts out because you don't live in the, the government part of town. So you lose power so they can have power all day, every day. And so you would, the power would go off and you would lose power sometimes for three days where we lived. It's in the middle of summer. Here I am, I'm praying. I'm about to pray and the power cuts off. And, 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 and what, I, what I used to do is I, I used to always put on some worship music and I put on this Keith Green CD and I'm playing it and at the end of a song the music starts to lead into a song and then bang the power goes off I'm a bit angry about this because it's hot it's India and so on three days the power's off for and here's what happened keep in mind here I'm a missionary I'm over there telling these people about Jesus and three days later I'm on my knees again in my lounge room I've got my Bible in front of me and I'm praying and as I start to pray the power comes on three days at that very moment, could have happened any time it wanted. While I'm on my knees that very moment, the power comes on. And as soon as the power comes on, the CD player, or cassette player, for those of you who remember cassettes, it clicked into gear. And straight away, here's what happened. These words came out of the speakers from a Keith Green song. My son, my son, why are you striving? You can't add one single thing to what's been done for you. I did it all when I was dying. Rest in my peace, rest in your faith, my peace will come to you. Because when I hear the praises start, uh, I want to, when I hear the praises start, I want to rain upon you. Blessings that will fill your heart, I see no stain upon you. Because you're my child and you know me, to me you're only holy. Nothing that you've done remains, only what you do for me. In that moment I broke down crying. Because God began to show me that, you know, Alan, you're still trying to prove yourself to me. I got saved at 19 and, you know, I didn't realise at the time, but God began to speak to me and say, Alan, you're trying to prove yourself to me. You're still doing things to try to prove that, you know, that, that, that you're worthy, that, that, that you're good enough for me to love you. And 
It began a bit of a journey. This journey went on for years, years and years. Here I am, years later, and I'm trying to break out of this. I want to be free from this. I don't want to be this person. Years later, here I am. I'm in a church. I'm an associate pastor of a a church that's gone really, really well. And I get given a a block of about four weeks. The senior pastor went away, and I was given four weeks to, to preach. And so I sat down, and I thought, what will I do, Lord? And I felt like God began to speak to me about grace. And some of you in this ch- here today would, have, would remember that season at this other church. And I started to preach on grace for a few weeks, the grace of God. And I sat down and I started to get this message together. And the Lord, I was, I was just reading through the Bible and I came to this passage in Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 1. Luke, can you whack that up for me? Romans 5 verse 1. And, 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 and here's, here's an illustration of how the Word of God sets us free. Even in those areas where we don't realise we're bound up. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'd read that a million times, but this particular day I opened it up and I read it, and all of a sudden it just jumped off the page at me. And I realised something. I went, hang on a second. Having been justified by faith. So God, what are you saying? Are you saying that I've been justified. Justified, the easiest way to describe the word justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. When, we, when the Bible talks about us being justified in the eyes of God, it means just as if I had never sinned. I'm standing clean in the face of God. See, I struggled with that. I didn't, I didn't believe that. If you had asked me, did I think that, I would have told you yes. You can't work your way into heaven. But what was I doing behind the scenes subconsciously? Stuff was going on and I was trying to prove to God that I was good enough, that I was clean enough, that I was righteous enough, you know. And one day I open up the word of God and there it is right there and it jumps out at me. Therefore, having been justified, having been, you mean it's already happened? You mean something already happened? I can't make it happen. I'm not here. It happened way back there. And then it goes on. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and it dawned on me. I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm trying to prove I'm good enough for God because if I prove I'm good enough for God, then I'll, I'll, I've got peace now because I made it. I'm good enough for God. But this verse flipped the whole thing around. It said, I have been justified by faith, and until I accept the fact that I've been justified by faith, until I expect, accept the fact that he did it all for me, it's already taken place, until I accept that, I'll never have peace with God because I'll always be striving. I'll always be trying to prove myself. I'll always trying to be, you know, show God that I, I'm, I'm, I'm worthy, Lord. Here I am, Father, I'm worthy to be called your child, you know. All of a sudden, it just lit up at me. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. In other words, Alan, I have already been justified by faith. If I can just, by faith, believe that and accept that, I'll find peace will enter my heart. You know, that one moment in my life, I've never forgot it, and it changed the entire trajectory of my Christianity. It changed the entire course of the way I saw God, the way I saw myself. Changed the entire course of the way I see you and other people. Not just in the church, but outside of the church as well. It all came from that one moment. But what's interesting about it is that there's this group of people Jesus is trying to say to them, get into my word and you're going to know truth and that truth's going to set you free. And they're saying to him, we're not in bondage. We're not in bondage. We're fine. We're fine. We don't need it. And you know what? I reckon a lot of modern-day believers, we're like those people. 
we're like those people. We kind of feel like, oh, we've got a good... We're New Testament church. We've got air conditioners. <laughs> hey? We've got bands. Come on, we've got carpet, dude. Woo! Living the dream. We've got TV, one screen, two screens. You know? Toilets, you flush them. You go, they're good toilets, those ones. They are fantastic toilets. I often have people come and say, wow, they're the best toilets we've ever seen in the church. I go, yeah. <laughs> they are, aren't they? When you're not here during the week, sometimes I just sit in there and stare at them. <laughs> Weeping. Thank you, Jesus. You love us. You know? But Jesus said this. He said, if you are my disciple, you'll abide in my word. And if you make a commitment to abide in the word of God, he will set you free. Even in areas where you don't realize you're bound. You see, I believe the number one way that God leads us is through the word of God. When people throw this word out, when we don't prioritize this word, that's when we get weird, loopy people that go chasing experiences. Weird, loopy people that start cults. Look at the number of cults. Go back through history. How many cults have been started by somebody that started to get into this and then slowly pulled out of it and started basing it all on an experience and got outside the parameters of the Word of God? God is never going to lead you. See, the Word of God to me is like a highway. And God will lead me all around that highway through His Word. He will never lead me outside the parameters of that. I was just reading last week another news report, and I'm sick of hearing them. News report where a guy went on a rampage, and when he went to court, what did he say to the judge? God told me. I'm sick of hearing people say, God told me. God told me to leave my husband. God told me to leave my wife. God told me to abuse my kids. God told me to cheat on my taxes. God told God, God, isn't that funny? Your God must have schizophrenia because he's saying everything different to what he said here. But when we get away from this and we move outside the boundaries of it, we get into trouble. I had a mate called Alan, and please, it was a, a mate. Don't read into me. It's not me. It's another guy literally called Alan in Bundaberg years ago. And he was a lovely man, and me and Jackie used to run a youth group in a little Anglican church there. And his kids came along, and he came along and gave us a hand. And then one day, apparently God must have spoken to him and told him he didn't need to go to church anymore, didn't need to fellowship with other believers, didn't need to hang out with people like we do here. So he pulled himself out of fellowship, would wake up in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, have a shower, go into a room in his house, close the door, leave his wife and kids out, and he would spend eight hours a day watching televangelists. All the, all the online people, he'd be sending them money, and, and that's what he did. And he'd come out at five o'clock, 8 to 5 every day. He'd just watch it, watch it, watch it. You know what ended up happening to him? He ended up running around town, going to all the pastors in Bundaberg, giving them words from the Apostle Paul who appeared to him in his room. And the Apostle Paul used to appear to him and speak to him and give him words of wisdom and knowledge for all these other people. And he would run around town, all these other pastors telling what the Apostle Paul uh, had told him and so on. He ended up kooky. Cut a long story short, lost his wife, lost his kid, and ended up in a straitjacket. And this is a guy that started out pretty normal, probably like you, Bevan, normal. <laughs> You're blessed, I said that. Like, like most of us here. But what did he do? You see, if we don't know the parameters, if we don't prioritize knowing the parameters, if we don't prioritize the word of God, if we don't stay in the word of God, if we don't abide in the word of God, Jesus said, abide in it, you'll know truth, you'll, you'll be free. Stop abiding in it, guess what? You're going to hear other voices, strangers' voices, you're going to get lost, you're going to get bound up, you're going to end up in Loopyville. All right? The number one way, I just want to get that out there this week because we're talking about being led, the number one way that God leads us is always going to be through his word. And when we get to know God through his word, it becomes easier to discern the different voices. 
I'm the president of Ballina Touch Football Association and my wife got an email from me this week and uh, as did just about every other member of our committee and association. They've all been getting emails from me, apparently. <laughs> you know? Asking, of course, they're all asking for the same thing. Would you send me money or would you pay this cheque for me? Here's the account number and so on. But you know what? They know me well enough. We've been together long enough that they've all read it and they all contact me and go, Alan, you would never talk like that. The language they're using, Alan, that's, not, going, that's exactly right. Disregard that. That's, that's not me. That's not me. Because we spent time together. They know me. And now when they hear these voices, they can discern quite quickly because they've spent time with me. Is that, would that be you? Would that not be you? And so now they are able to discern this spam email and what's me and what's not me. And Jesus said, if you're my disciple, you'll abide in my word. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Let me encourage you to do this. Read the Bible. Stop reading for something spectacular, by the way. A lot of people stop reading the Bible because they feel like I know it, read it a thousand times, or they read it and go, I didn't get a flashing light or nothing jumped off me. Who cares? Just read it. Just read it. Jesus made this promise about the Holy Spirit in John 16, I think it is. He said that when he comes, he'll remind you all the things that you've heard from me. You ever read that passage? Each of our children, um, Jordan's just finished his HSC, uh, Caleb and Johnny have, have did theirs a few years ago, and we did one thing with all of our kids. We would pray for them before their exams. But our prayer was very specific. Our prayer was this, Lord, bring back to their remembrance that which they've put in there. I'm not saying, God, they don't need to study. They can just sit down and do nothing, and God, you just supernaturally give them all the answers to all the questions when they sit down. No, you study. You get into the books and you do what you've got to do. And Lord, our prayer is this. Whatever they've put inside themselves at the right moment, Holy Spirit, bring it out. Bring it out. I wonder if the Holy Spirit was to reach inside each of us here, would there be enough of the word of God inside for us to win the battles we need to win, for us to break free of the things we need to break free from? Would there be enough of the word of God inside of us? Jesus said that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Stop waiting for somebody to come and lay hands on you. Stop waiting for a prophet to come to town. Stop waiting for an angelic visitation. You can be set free by simply abiding in the word of God. That's the truth. That's the truth. The word of God can set you free. I mean, is that true or is that not true? If it's not true, spit it back at me. Go out of here and say that guy's a heretic. But if it's true, let me encourage you. Go home. Before you go to bed tonight, open the Bible and start to put some word in you. Amen? Because God leads you. Number one way he leads us is through the word of God. Father, I thank you for your word today, God. And Lord, we thank you for, uh, God, the, the, the great men and women of God throughout centuries. Centuries, God. People who have labored tirelessly to make sure that we still have this book here. God, people that have laid down their lives physically so that we could today be here in Ganilabar and open a Bible. And Lord, not just have it on a screen, but God, every person in this room has access to a Bible. God, many of us have probably got five or six of them at home, Lord. And it hasn't come at a cheap price, Father. You're so passionate about your word that you've gone to such great lengths to preserve it. And Father, I pray that we would have that uh, sense of gratitude, Lord, and that sense of reverence for your word. Father, I pray that, uh, God, for those of us here that struggle to find time or struggle with the discipline, Lord, I just pray, just give us a bit of a kick up the backside, Lord. Shake us out of apathy when it comes to your word. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray as we leave this place today, God, in the next seven days, I pray everybody in this room, give us a chance to tell somebody 
about the love of God who doesn't yet know it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you who's hot. Is anyone hot? Yeah, it's Luke's fault. He turned the AC down um, at Paul's request. Um, (laughs) Took his jacket off. That's a lie, actually. Yeah, lies go to hell. Paul told me lies go to hell. You're right, I repent. He didn't really do that. But uh, anyway, bless you guys. Have a great week. Uh, Don't forget the worship night coming up on Thursday. Love to see as many people at that as we can.